is Strictly John Keith. Strictly John Keith on City Talk 105.9. Hello, I'm John Keith and welcome to Strictly John Keith on City Talk 105.9. Now, the football season of 1962-63 has gone down in history as the game's worst ever big freeze, with almost 500 first-class matches postponed. The icy grip stretching from Boxing Day until March, in Britain's coldest winter since 1740. But for Everton and their fans, it was a winter wonderland as they skated to the club's first post-war league championship under Harry Catterick's management, with a team of wonderful balance skill and strength, power and pace. And now, on this year's 50th anniversary of that memorable triumph, the story takes to the stage at Liverpool's impressive new Dome Theatre next month, aptly titled The Class of 63. And joining me in the studio are people who are going to make it all happen. Writer and producer Mike Howell, narrator Pat LeBone, wife of the late great Brian, and a man who made five appearances in the title-winning team prior to becoming an FA Cup final legend three years later, England international Derek Temple. will also be joined later in the show by Lawrence Lee, chairman of the Everton Former Players Foundation. Pat and gentlemen, thanks for coming up the City Tower. Mike... This is obviously a labour of love for you, this play. Very much so. In fact, I was stood on the terraces every game that season in 1962-63. I was 16. Nothing like giving your age away on the air, is there? Well, we like it, though. We like honesty, Mike. (laughs) Um, And, yeah, it was a fantastic season, I think because Catterick had acquired that knack of getting together brilliant individuals and moulding them into a a great side, a great Mm. team. So, yeah, it was a season to be remembered, yeah. Uh, so how did the idea come to you? Is it a long time in the fermentation, as it were? Yeah, I've been thinking about it for a while, actually, and I thought, well, you know, don't think about it, just do it, because there's so many Evertonians out there who will remember it, and there'll be so many who don't but would like to know more about it. So I thought, let's let's get some of these incredible players together. Yes. Uh, let's let's um, write a script about it play some music from the era, which we're going to do. Indeed, yes. Um, and make a show and, yes. and give it to all the supporters, young and old. Well, that's great. And Pat LeBone, the thought strikes me that Brian, being the great outgoing guy he was, would have revelled in something like this, wouldn't he? Oh, he would certainly have loved something like that. And I don't know whether he'd be able to shut him up, to be quite honest <laughs> with you. He'd just keep going on. He would have had so many wonderful tales to yeah. tell. Now, for you, uh, being in this play, we'll talk about exactly what you do in a little later, but you're a lady very familiar with the stage, aren't you? You've been in amateur dramatics and all sorts of stuff. Yes, yes. Um, going back some years, I did a lot of amateur dramatics. In fact, I normally performed at the Neptune Theatre, which I believe now is the Epstein the Theatre, yeah. mm-hmm. and I just loved it. So it's going to be fun getting back, treading the boards again. Yeah, I'm sure it is. Now, Derek Temple, great to have you here, Derek. Um, you played in that title-winning season of 62-63. You made your first appearance wearing number seven in the home draw with Wolves in February. I don't know whether you remember much about that. Well, I do, John. I, uh, I, as you said earlier, I only made five appearances. Well, nevertheless, yeah, you contributed. I, a, I was in the team uh, originally, but prior to the season starting, uh, I turned my ankle over very ah, badly. Right, right. And uh, that healed round about the end of September. And then I was getting a lot of pain from my knee and uh, it was uh, diagnosed as a torn cartilage. Mm. And I had that operated on, on bonfire night 
1962, November the 5th. Yes. And, uh, you know, I mean, that, that freeze-up came. And, uh, yeah. of course, we had uh, underground heating. Yes. So uh, yes. played quite a lot of games yeah. where other, other teams couldn't. Yeah. And... I made the, the one appearance, but I wasn't 100% fit. I wasn't strong enough, you know, my, my no. legs. Uh, because then cartilages uh, well, were big operations. They, they, well, they, they were. sometimes play again in 10 days now, but it was months and months then, wasn't yes. it? Yeah, it's a different process now, John. They don't yeah. take the cartilage out, they repair it now, mm. which is far quicker, of course. I wish I wish I could have done it with me, but uh, yeah, exactly. it, uh, science hadn't got that far. No. <laughs> so there you were, you played against Wolves, but you weren't quite right. No, no. And then... You played in the decisive final four games, didn't you? Of that I did. Season? Yes, I, I, all of them yes. won, by the way. Yes, that that, that was uh, that was a great run in, of course, um, and uh, I can remember the final game, which, uh, funnily enough, it was uh, Fulham, and uh, last game of last season was Fulham, of course, uh, but we went in the in That's the right, yes. we went in the running for the title, but. Um, yeah, I, I can remember Roy Vernon scoring a great hat trick, mm. you know, and that was. Uh, we've still got memories, you know. He was the skipper yeah. as well, of course. He was, yes. Yeah. Yeah, great yeah. player. He was a great player, Roy. Yes. Was it, do you think he's a little bit um, forgotten now, a bit under, understated the part he played? Because he was a fantastic player. Great yeah. penalty taker, wasn't oh, he? Oh, yes, indeed. Yeah, yeah. He was great. Uh, he was a great player all around. But mm. uh, no, I, th- I think uh, Evertonians that uh, watched, you know, of that age will, will remember him, certainly. Uh, he, was not, he was a great player, but he, he, he didn't look after himself well enough, you know. Oh, I mean, he was a smoker, too. Yes, yeah, he was a very heavy smoker. And mm. uh, I think he could. Certainly see the whiskey away, you know what I mean. So, oh, right. uh, but yeah. a bit of a playboy, yeah. right? So we've got smoking whiskey. What about women? Any? Uh, well, I, we won't go into <laughs> that. But uh, you could cigarettes you could, and whiskey. Could well, well, could no, we that. joke. But I mean, he was a fantastic player. <laughs> yeah. Um, of course, you were a winger. Uh, I know you played in other positions, but Everton had uh, for those final four games. You replaced Johnny Morrissey, didn't you? Johnny went out of the team. Was he yes. injured then? I, I don't remember no, that. I don't. I, I don't know. remember that, John. I, I don't know no. how I got back in, whether it was through injury or just that uh, I'd got fit and uh, played my way back in. I just yeah. don't remember. And there was remember. Alex Scott and Billy Bingham about as well. Oh, yes. It? You mentioned the undersoil heating, but as, as I said earlier, there were 500 first-class matches postponed. And in Everton's case, although they had undersoil heating, even that couldn't cope all the time. Everton played only four games between December 22 when they drew at Sheffield Wednesday and the 2-0 home win over Nottingham Forest on March the 9th, which is a long time. So mm. how did the players pass the time without games? It's a long time without matches, that, isn't it? It is. Uh, we, well, we, we used to go to Ainsdale Beach and train. Mm. And, of course, it's hard to imagine, but it was that cold that the yeah. the uh, when the water was coming in on the beach, it was freezing. You know, it was actually freezing on the beach. It was that Salt cold. Salt water freezing. That's, yes, that's, yeah, it was that's amazing. cold, isn't it? It was cold. Yeah. But, of course, uh, it was good. Uh, we enjoyed the training and uh, it kept us in good condition, you yeah. know. Yeah, so well. It's a long It's a long time without games. But yes. I, I presume there was a great feeling in the squad because you were in the top three, I think, right through the season. Um, Tottenham were your big pursuers later yes. in the season was there a feeling that you were going to win this title because they hadn't won one since pre-war had no they? 
no, that's that's true. Uh, I think we were quietly confident um, because we, similar to the team that Everton have now and have had recently, they, they, you know, there was confidence in one another's play and everybody seemed to get on well together. Mm. Uh, there was a good uh, camaraderie uh, about the place and uh, that helps an awful lot, you know, when you when you're pushing for. A title like that. I say, yes. Yeah. Well, that's what they say is there now at Everton, don't they? Yes, that's right. Team yes. spirit. Yes, it's worth an awful lot, isn't it, John? I'm you know, sure it yeah. is. I must ask you also about the manager, Harry Catrick, an enigma to say the least. Yes. Um, how did you find him? I found him all right. He was a very deep man uh, and delegated an awful lot of things. Uh, but um, not everybody liked him, you no. know, but that... that, that that's by the by, because I think, uh, you know, I think no matter what manager you have, he could be the greatest guy in the world, but there'll always be players that wouldn't of like course. him. Uh, but um, he was, uh, he knew what he wanted, and he had the backing, of course, of John Moores. Oh, and, yes. uh, you know, his signing of players now is... Uh, when you think back, it was yeah. he'd disappear for a couple of days and come back with a player. It was know. cloak and dagger. Yes, wasn't it? it was yes. James Bond money. It was. Wasn't it? it was indeed it's incredible. Yes. there wasn't a glimmer in no. the papers, or no. the, well, it was mainly newspapers then rather than television, yes. radio, of course. Uh-huh. But as you say, he'd come back with a, a new winger, a new centre forward. Yeah, good players too from yeah, Scotland. Exactly. Yes, well, yes. exactly. Yes. Uh, if I can turn to you, back to you, Mike Howell, talking about Harry Catterick, he's going to be one of the main characters in the play. He certainly is, actually, yes, because there's, there's been quite a lot written and said about uh, about Bill Shankly, rightly so, because he was a, a great manager, but very little by comparison about Harry Catrick. Because of their personalities, I think. Yeah, but I think that, that, that Harry Catrick was every bit as passionate about Everton Football Club as Shankly was, sure. but he wasn't as outgoing. Mm. And, you know, when you talk about cloak and dagger signings, and this figures in the play quite prominently, I think the, the most famous one of all is Johnny Morrissey, mm. who... Um, <laughs> Catrick actually um, managed to get into Shankly's office while Shankly was on holiday he did, yes. uh, and signed him for £10,000. And when Bill came back, he was, how can we say, not too well pleased. He actually resigned. Uh, apparently so, yeah. And the directors had to go on bended knee, apologise for him to change his mind. Mm-hmm. So Harry almost changed... Well, he changed football history anyway because Johnny played in two title-winning teams, That's 63 right. and 70. Mm-hmm. And also, of course, if, if uh, Shanks had quit, who knows what... Uh, what History would have, have would have occurred, yeah. And and of course, best of all, especially if you were red, is that Morrissey scored for the Blues in the Derby game um, a few weeks later in September. Yeah, and the that, first one for eleven years. Yeah, that also yeah. figures prominently in the play. Right. Um, as regards, um, you were asking Derek what he's going to do before. Don't worry, Derek. We're not going to ask you to sing. No. Ah, <laughs> um, oh, why? He's brilliant. Have you heard his Sinatra? I have actually. Yes, that's why we're not going to ask you to sing. <laughs> he was doing Tony Bennett. You heard of his Sinatra? Yeah. I get the point. Yeah. Um, I can't wish it. <laughs> what, <laughs> what we are going to do for for the audience is bring on all of these fantastic players, these incredible Wonderful, men, yes. uh, onto stage That's to be interviewed. Terrific, yeah. So the, the audience will be able to see their heroes live yes. on stage. And then we've got some excellent actors who will portray them when they were younger. Wonderful. Um, so we think it's a, it's a good way to, to let everyone know what was happening. That's about great. That so as well as Derek, you'll have people like Tony Kay, Billy Bingham... Uh, Yes, uh, also uh, George Sharples. George Sharples, yeah. Um, And uh, one or two of the other players who we're going to bring in, perhaps we're hoping to bring in Mick Megan, perhaps from Ah, Ireland. right. Uh, And, of course, Alex Alex Young from Scotland. Um, The great Alex. We've eh? actually got Mm. to tie these little things up yet, but there will be a lot of the the former players there. Yeah. 
I'm going to turn to Pat, Pat Lebone. What, um, what will you be doing in this play? Well, I think I thought I... <laughs> Are you narrating, I'm told? I believe so, but I only found that out about the other week. I thought I was just going to sit, go and sit and watch it, but uh, I've spoken to Mike since and he's asked me if I would narrate it. And I said, yes, I'd be delighted. You know, yeah. it's obviously going to be very nostalgic for me going back oh, over that sure era, is, yes. you know, but I'm really Will looking forward to it. Will it be emotional for you as well? It will. Mm. It most certainly will, yes, particularly when we get to the part about Brian and I, oh, you know, but, um, you know, as I say, I'm very excited about it. Uh, we all are, actually. Everyone yeah, at the sure foundation, well, all the trustees, yeah. you know, we're all pulling to make this a success. And obviously, you know, a great deal of thanks needs to go to Mike and, we'll and be, Derek I'll and be, others. We'll be talking in the show later to uh, Lawrence Lee, yes. chairman of the Everton Former Players Foundation. Mm -hmm. They've given total support to this, haven't they? Oh, Pat? right from the word go, yes. I mean, Lawrence felt very strongly that it was something we should go ahead with. Uh, there were one or two, because it's such a, a deviation from what we normally do, and it's a very big project, um, to take it on board, I think one or two trustees were a little bit hesitant about it, but Lawrence had, you know, straight away it was, this is what we're going to do, and it's proved right. Um, it's, you know, we're all getting involved, and we can see it evolve as time is going on. Very excited. Really can't wait to get it up on stage, and I just hope everybody listening, all the blues will support. It's come along wearing your scarves and bring your banners and everything because it's going to be absolutely wonderful. Well, I know your daughter, Rochelle, who's listening to this show, will be proud to see Mum on stage there and uh, all success with it, Pat. And uh, we'll be talking more to Pat LeBone, to Mike Howell, Derek Temple, and we'll be joined in this next segment of the show by Lawrence Lee, chairman of the Everton Former Players Foundation. Don't go away. This is Strictly John Keith on City Talk 105.9. Hello, I'm John Keith, and welcome back to Strictly John Keith on City Talk 105.9. My studio guests, Derek Temple, Mike Howell, you've heard from Pat LeBone, we'll be hearing more from here later, and we're joined in this segment by Lawrence Lee, chairman of the Everton Former Players Foundation, and they're all in the studio to talk about Mike Howell's brilliant new play, The Class of 63, which tells the story of Everton's memorable 1962-63 league title triumph. Lawrence, I know you're obviously a long, well, lifelong Everton fan, chairman of the former players. This is a very exciting project, this, isn't it? Well, we've had some exciting projects over the years, but this is uncharted territory. And uh, as Pat said uh, a few moments ago, uh, there was a little bit of doubt by some trustees because this is so different from what we've done before. Uh, but I just had a feeling that this is going to be good. And uh, I don't want to sound as if I'm a dictator, far from it. But uh, I've had fantastic support from all the trustees, particularly when we went to see the Dome Theatre, which is a magnificent uh, yes. auditorium uh, in Renshaw Street. And, uh, you know, in due course, we'll explain exactly. It's the old City Hall and it is unbelievable uh, as far as the venue is concerned. And when you imagine uh, the Central Zedcar, Hall, I think. Central, I mean Central Hall. Yes, yeah. Central Hall. Mm. I've sent sending people the wrong way there. Sending them the wrong way <laughs> there. Like, Street, like Roy yeah. Vernon's penalties. Uh, <laughs> now you see the ad libs. I love those. Oh, it's fantastic. <laughs> yes, isn't it? yes, yes. yes. Sorry. Um, yes. But um, when you see the venue and you can imagine Zed cars playing and all, all the songs coming out right. and all the blue and white there and the uh, and the footage, it'll just be the most fantastic atmospheric evening or evenings I should say and matinee it, it'll be sensational because yeah. people in this city because it's a Celtic city mm. they've got a great sense of history in the past 
and heritage, haven't they? Well, they so do. Something like they. I mean, even youngsters who were not even born when they won the title, like myself, they'll know all about. Well, yeah. sorry, like yourself, <laughs> and, and other youngsters like you, Lawrence. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I didn't see been, any of those will matches. Have been sorry, just get it on record. You didn't see any of. No, them at 1965 all. was you, the first game. Right. Okay. Well, what I was about to say, for you remind me of your youth, was that um, the uh, even children who weren't born then will have been told about this by yeah, their parents. Absolutely. So they will go along to revel in it. Mike Howell, won't they? I think so. It's about knowing your history, isn't it, as well? Yes, well, exactly. Uh, and it, there's a kind of a romantic attachment to it. I, mean, I remember, you know, my father talking to me about players in the 30s and 40s and that, and I always used to think, oh, I wish I'd been there to see them. Uh, and now this will give younger people a, like a fascinating insight into what not just what Everton was like, but what life was like in 1962. Yes, mm, exactly. um, there's, there's a section in it which which discusses through a scene, if you like, footballers and footballers' wives. You know, a lot of people have seen that thing on television about footballers' wives today, and how different. And I'm sure Pat will bear. Well, we're going this, to talk to Pat uh, about that. How different the... things were uh, f- 50 years ago. Yes. So that's an interesting and, and about life generally in 1962, 63, the big freeze. Yeah. wages, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. yeah, Well, it sets it in its historical timepiece, doesn't it? It certainly yeah. does, yeah. Yeah. Derek Temple, you, we talked earlier about your um, five games, five appearances in that season, but, of course, three years later, you became a legend because of the great goal at Wembley in the 66 Cup final. But just to take people through that, what was the first-choice Everton team then? Gordon Westing goal. Alex Parker right-back, with Mick Meegan and George Thompson sharing the left-back slot, a half-back line of Jimmy Gabriel, the aforementioned Brian LeBone, the great Brian LeBone, and, until January, Brian Harris. Then, a certain Tony Kay... Well, he had arrived earlier, but his debut had been held up because of the freeze. He took over the number 6 jersey, and he was a ter- terrific player, wasn't he? And it's a tragedy what happened, of course. Yes, he was. Uh, he, he was a tremendous player, Tony. Um, he was brought in to replace Brian Harris, and yes. Brian Harris was rather unfortunate. He I was, thought wasn't uh, he, yes. he hadn't let anybody down, uh, and as it worked out, uh, unfortunately for Tony, uh, he got done for this offence, which uh, you know they made a, an example of the three of them. Just uh, in case anyone doesn't know, yes. it was um, it was betting on his own team when he was playing for Sheffield Wednesday. That's right. Mm. He said he got man of the match. Now, okay, you know he did. That, the People uh, newspaper yeah, who blew yeah. up the story yes. actually made him man of the match. Yeah, it was at Ipswich. It's wasn't ironic it? that, isn't it? Really, sure, yeah. but uh, no, he was a great player, Tony. And uh, unfortunately, we uh, it cost Everton, didn't it? Because they didn't get the transfer fee back. You know oh, what I mean? Exactly. Uh, and it was quite a lot of money. But um, Brian. Uh, he came back in and he, he was tremendous, you know. Brian he, Harris, he, yeah, terrific Brian Harris, player, yes, he, he yeah. came back in and he, yeah. uh, uh, of course, he had uh, quite a number of years still in him yeah. and he played those years Indeed. at Everton and did very, very well. And then he went to play for Cardiff, didn't he? Yes, and he had did. a great career there. Yes. Played in Europe for Cardiff. I yes, think. he did. Mm. Yes. But Tony Kay, um, I did a show with him in Wales a couple of years ago when he was utterly and totally frank and honest about everything. He brought the house down with the sheer force of his revelation he pulled no punches he said it as it was and yes. uh, he's clearly totally come to terms with the tragedy of his career hasn't he yes yeah he uh well he, i mean he's faced up to it uh he yeah. at, at the time i don't think he could face up to it he left the country didn't he, oh, he went he to did, live in spain, in spain yeah. and uh it was a very sad time for him i mean you know a wonderful career just snuffed out yeah. um but uh 
as I say, the the, uh, the football league were very against players betting, and uh, they made an example of them to to put. And when that. you see, just moving on very quickly from this, but finally, when you see what's happened to players recently who've been betting, they just they got sort of three six month bans. Yes. Um, yeah. I, I mean, it doesn't seem very fair, but however, it happened. But at least Tony has the memory of that championship, and there's a wonderful picture, isn't there, of Tony with a cigar and the champagne being poured. And yes. uh, it's a wonderful moment in Everton history, that, isn't That's it? That's right, yeah. 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 It's a, it is a great picture, that, yes. Uh, and just going back to the Everton team, we got up to Tony Kay at number six after Brian Harris, and then the regular forward line, because you'd had your mm. cartilage, Billy Bingham, then Alex Scott on the right wing, two ever-presents, Dennis Stevens and Alex Young. They were ever-presents. People talk about Alex's tender feet, but he played in every match. Captain Roy Vernon and then Johnny Morrissey on the left. And in all, Catrick used only 20 players, with George Heslop and Frank Wignall making just a single appearance each. So it's effectively 18 players for a 42-match season as well in the league, which is quite remarkable, Lawrence Lee. That well, is. it is. Uh, in fact, the only team I can think of by comparison with that is uh, a Liverpool team. I think they only use about 18, didn't 14. they? 14. 14. Yes. Well, that's unbelievable. It is, really, yes. Uh, but even yeah. the number that Everton used in that season is quite yeah. remarkable, yeah. bearing in mind the, the state of the pitchers in those days compared to the velvet they play on now. Exactly. So it's uh, amazing. Mike, are you go- Mike Howell, are you going to sort of uh, be able on a stage to depict the weather conditions at all? I know it's a difficult call, that. Um, well, we we can actually. I won't give too many secrets. No, no, I don't away. want a secret. I just. Um, but we, what we have it. got actually is some film footage, which is ah, amazing. Right. Uh, from those games in '62, '63, uh, and there is a big screen at the Dome Theatre, and so we'll be combining that with the with the acting as it's going on. So people will be able to see possibly for the first time some some action from 50 years ago. That, that, so that that's previously unseen film. Really? Yeah. Where where have we managed to get that from? We've got some from various sources. Because <laughs> there, wa- there wasn't a lot of film about, was there? No, there was no match of the day. People forget no, that. Exactly. I think just to kind of, if you like, educate people it was who, who don't remember. Mm-hmm. Match but, of the um, day. There was only what they call sports special with Kenneth Wollstoneholm, yeah. uh, which was on featured one game for about 45 minutes. Mm. So there's a limited amount of footage yeah. uh, from that. So um, we, we've got some together. We're hoping to get some more, but it, it'll back up everything that's in the play. Yes. I think people find it really interesting to go from the action in the play to the film footage and then yes. and then back to the action. Because, of course, today it's news if a Premier League game is postponed for any reason, isn't it? Particularly weather. Lawrence, we don't, we don't hear of it now hardly, do we? Very rare. I mean, the only reason would be not because of the state of the pitch, but of the pavements around the ground. Exactly, yes. Uh, sometimes the health and safety is so PC now. Uh, that you don't risk anybody turning an ankle or something like that. Otherwise, you get some lawyer getting involved and in suing people. Not a lawyer. I'm afraid they're terrible really? people. Really? Well, they're terrible people. Are they really? I don't know any good I ones. I must tell anybody, <laughs> if anyone who doesn't know, Lawrence Lee is one of Merseyside's most eminent solicitors. So there Thank you, you for that. So, the five uh, in the post. <laughs> yeah, but um, Derek Temple, just getting back to you... Um, even when you did play on the pitches, some of them were not just two-faced, some could be three-faced, couldn't they? Soft, hard, and other totally icy. Yeah, there were, there were, there were a number of uh, pitches that were uh, well-known. Derby County oh, uh, yes. was, was a bog. Uh, Cardiff, <laughs> yes, Cardiff was. was another one. You know, I mean, uh, just a quick story, if I may, about Please, yes. um, uh, Cardiff. Uh, 
when players go to a, a ground, the normal thing, of course, is to go out on the pitch and walk walk on it and see what it's like, what studs you're going to have. Well, I remember going to Cardiff. This was with uh, Ian Buchan was the manager yes. and Harry Wright was the trainer. Now, Harry Wright was a big bluff merchant, you know. I mean, he was... Uh, he was an, an ex-goalkeeper, so you have to Harry forgive Wright. him. No, he, he he looked a bit like Clark Gable. Uh, no. You know, I mean, yeah, he was a big guy. Did he give a damn, though? Uh, he, did, he didn't, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, he uh, <laughs> yeah. we, we go out on the pitch and it, it, it just the water oozed up out the mud over your shoes, you know, yeah. so it was very bad and uh, it wouldn't... If it had been like that nowadays, they wouldn't play it, you know. No. But anyway, uh, we don't have it. But uh, he, he said... Uh, Ian Buchan's giving his talk, and he said, uh, Ian Wright interrupted him and said, excuse me, Ian, do you mind if I have a word? Now, he'd never had a word with the players in his life, you know. He, he, he was a sponge man, basically. Yeah. And he said, oh, yes, yes, certainly, Harry. Now, listen up, lads. Harry's going to give you some information here, impart some knowledge to you. And we thought, oh, what's he going to say now? But anyway, he said, Luke, he said, that pitch is in a terrible state. We said, we know, Harry, yes, it is. He said, well, look, if you get injured... He said, come over to the box and go down. He said, I don't fancy running right across the pitch and all that. <laughs> that is unbelievable, isn't it? That's what he did. Gracious <laughs> me. <laughs> Very good. That's wonderful. Well, you mentioned Derby County. When they, um, when, they were dis- when they finally decided they had to do something about the pitch, the chairman, Sam Longson, you probably remember, he said, we'll have to make some money out of this pitch. We're going to bottle it. <laughs> and they sold it by the bottle, apparently, all over the globe. Oh, yeah, mate. genuine. Baseball pitch, and it was liquid. It was actually liquid. Yeah, yeah. But um, we, we did mention Tony Kay. Now, Mike Howell. He, Tony is in the actual in the play, isn't he? He certainly is. Yeah. Um, well, what t- would he do? Tony will be appearing on stage, uh, as will all the former players, and and they'll be asked about their experiences, oh, similar see. to what Derek's just done for us here now. And then there'll be, uh, some scenes will be reenacted with Tony Kay involved in them. There is, for instance, a scene where. Harry Catrick wants to buy Tony Kay, but the, there's a clash with the board because he's already had money for Dennis Stevens and so on, yes. Alex Scott, and now he wants more. Yeah. Uh, and the, the scene describes what happens in the boardroom scene. Right. Um, and then Tony Kay himself will come on afterwards and talk about when he first arrived at Everton. Uh, and, of course, he, he had to wait, I think, for about two months before he kicked yeah. the ball. Yeah. Uh, ran out onto the pitch, I think, at Plymouth, he sold me, fell flat on his back, uh, and his whole shirt was covered in mud and, you know... Uh, things like that, you know, which yeah. he was the Sounds star, great. the star player who didn't look like a star after he'd fallen flat on his back. <laughs> um, I think the humour in the show is really important. Ah, yes, a lot of scouts yes. humour in it, you know, and that's what people want. And it's all true stories as well; mm, they're yeah. not made up, you know. Yeah, well, you won't get any one-liners from Harry Catrick, though, would you? No, I don't think so. I don't, I don't think, think so. Would. It wasn't given to one-liners. It was the it was the team who provided the humour. Derek Temple, I presume, wasn't it? Well, uh, I mean. Harry, uh, as I said before, was very deep and a lot of players didn't like him. And no. Jimmy Gabriel used to make poems up about him. And they Did were, he really? They were I didn't very know funny. that. He was a clever lad, Jimmy. Oh, he, uh, Jimmy was, but I didn't you know, know he made poems. But he did. He, he, right. he, he made poems up and then wow. when we were on the way back from a match, he'd be <laughs> reciting them to us. And uh, <laughs> Obviously you know. out of Harry's earshot. Oh, yes. 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 Oh, yeah. Yes. Mike. I can feel a scene coming on. <laughs> <laughs> now, just take it easy. We can get tablets for that, Mike. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Don't 
great a scene. <laughs> oh, well, he does. <laughs> Several scenes and acts, I hope. Right, well, I'm talking to Lawrence Lee, to Mike Howell, and we've been talking to Derek Temple, and I'll be talking more to Pat LeBone, all about this great new show coming up at the Dome in December, the class of 63. Don't go away. This is Strictly John Keith on City Talk 105.9. Hello, I'm John Keith, and welcome back to Strictly John Keith on City Talk 105.9. A full studio for this show because I'm joined in it by Derek Temple, Pat LeBone, Mike Howell, and we've had Lawrence Lee as well. And we're all talking about Mike's new play, The Class of 63, which tells the story of Everton's memorable 1962-63 league title triumph. I spoke earlier in the show to Pat LeBone, of course, uh, wife of the late, great Brian, and I read somewhere in some publicity about the show, Pat, that... um, when you come to narrate the show, obviously, you said before, it's going to be emotional, but the memories come back to you of, did you get, have to get a bus from Great Charlotte Street to Goodison because Brian didn't have a car or something? Is that... Believe it or not, uh, I used to walk to the game. Did you? Yes, I did. I lived, uh, oh, must have been about 20 minutes, half an hour, and I would walk to the game. Gracious. No, Brian didn't have a car, so after the game, we would get a bus back. We either busted... <laughs> Or got a train, or Shanks's pony. Yeah, and that was or Catrick's pony. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yes. No, it wasn't a case of you know the big cars waiting or anything like that. And I, it was difficult, really, in those days. I think for you know the the wives, the girlfriends, because yes. they just believe it or not, they were not recognised by the club at all. No, there wasn't a room for them to stay in. No, I know. Um, if they the husband had a car, they could sit in it. But of course, Brian didn't have a car. So I used to have to wait outside Goodison in the rain, hail, snow, waiting for him to get ready before we would get off. I I remember I actually met you outside once after a match. You were waiting for Brian. That's right, yes. But then having said that, um, once there were a few doormen and they got to know me and they very kindly let me stand behind the door. But it was a case of finger to lips, be quiet, don't let anyone know, keep it to yourself. What? And I could shelter then, but that was the way it was. What, in those what a days. different age it was! Wasn't oh, it was it? totally, totally different. Yeah. Um, I mean, people, all they obviously of today, you read about the wags and the money and what they do. It was nothing like that in my day. I no. mean, most of the the wives were working girls, you yes, know. Yes, exactly. Um, whatever they did, whether they were in offices, shops, factories, yeah. Um, yeah. and you know, we had to contribute to the the household. But you've been a model, hadn't you? Yes, I was a model. Mm. Um, I, I did enjoy that. I did that mainly part-time. I still have right. to keep my father... Because originally, you, you were actually born... Were you born in Dublin? I was born yeah, in Dublin, were, yes, yeah. and I had yeah. most of my uh, schooling in Dublin yes. as well, yeah. you know. And obviously, in coming over here, it was quite a transition for but me. What, what age would you have been? I was, I was 11, yeah. and it was a very difficult age to sort of change. To you uproot, know, into yes. going to a school mm. and, and try to settle in. But, I mean... Having said that, if we hadn't done that, I wouldn't have met Brian, would exactly. I? Exactly. So it was worth exactly, it in the, in no. the end, yeah. you know. Yeah. But no, life was very, very different for us, you know. So so when, years later, you tuned into things like footballers' wives, you must have said, what is all that about compared to what we used to do? It uh, does open my eyes. There's no <laughs> two ways about it, you know. And uh, I, I think, you know... Thinking back, um, it's just the way things evolved. Look at the way it's evolved in football for the players. Exactly. So obviously it will. And and really, I mean, the wife should be included. They're yeah. the ones that have to put up with their... I can remember sort of Brian going on long tours, six weeks or something like yeah. that. 
or, you know, the, uh, Catterick, I think Derek will bear me out, Catterick used to take them away for special training. He did. But as far as I was concerned, the special training was letting them do all the things they couldn't do if they were at home, <laughs> like drinking. <laughs> I see, Late yeah. nights and drink, yes. let the hair down, right. you know. And that did not go down very well with me. But tell me, <laughs> I think, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, when Everton won the title in 63, didn't the club take the wives and girlfriends to Torrey Molinos? Most certainly they did. Yes. And guess who was left out? Go on. Me? Not, why? Because I wasn't married to Brian. You're joking. I know, no, no, I wasn't. I was but, only his girlfriend. And they wouldn't so let you go? No, you had to be married before Good you went. gracious But man. I made my mind up there and then, a little bit of the Irish in me, you see, and I yes. thought, I will get there one day. And when Brian and I got married, yeah. I thought of nowhere else to go but this hotel in Torremolinas that the, the Everton wow, had taken the players, and that's story. what we did. Yes, that's fantastic, yes. yeah. And believe it or not, when... We went, uh, there were about two hotels in Torremolinas. Yeah, that was, was all, all those years package ago. Package holidays you know? only just yeah. starting. Yeah, but I'd made a promise to myself, you get there one day, and I did. She's a lady who knows where she's going. <laughs> Indeed, I, like. I try, I try, yeah. I try. That's, that's great, <laughs> yes. Pat. But Pat, on the general thing now about women in football, we've got women chief executives, mm. there's women on the FA, yes. and also, of course, women's football. I mean, Everton and Liverpool, Liverpool the new champions. Yes. To a broken Arsenal strangle. Everton... Yeah a prime team as well. Mm-hmm. I guess you, you get a lot of satisfaction seeing that. I do, actually. I remember watching a game with my brother uh, mm. some months back now. It was a ladies' football team. And I was just amazed how good they yes. were. They really yeah. are yeah. good, you know. Yeah. Um, and I think they're very brave because they're open to the same injuries and knocks as the, the men, you yeah, know. exactly. And uh, it, it, I thought, you know, I'll be honest, I thought it would be nothing like a man's football but it was yes. it was great and I think it's only fair you know that Absolutely. women I mean let's face it you know this day and age women are everywhere now aren't they, so they you know they're be. not kept in their place uh, and well, they that, can that, go no their place yes. is as it is now yes. in my opinion yes yeah well that's mm-hmm. great uh, Derek Temple you um, you will have seen some uh, women's football what's the professionals verdict on it so far well I, I think uh, from what I've seen it's it's a very high standard mm. John um Quite, quite enjoyable, you know. I mean, uh, the only thing, it, it, goalkeeper seems to be a problem for women's football. Yeah, that's, that's it's my a problem sometimes. In well, football. yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> there's not many great British goalkeepers around, are there? No, uh, no, but, uh, no. There's not now. There, there were an awful lot, but they, they seem to have uh, disappeared, don't they? I mean, yeah. there was panic when Joe Hart made those mistakes recently. They, oh, you know, there's Foster at Celtic, isn't there? But you say, oh, you know, where are the others? And you look down, there's there's, no. there's no there's no litany of English goalkeepers, is there? No, there isn't. But, you know, going back, you talk about Joe Hart. I mean, yeah. he, he got pilloried or make a couple of mistakes. And let's yeah. face it, goals come from mistakes invariably. And they do. Uh, if a goalkeeper makes a mistake, it's a goal. But I, I always think, you know, he got pilloried. I, I, it's the old saying, isn't it? Um... Form is temporary, classes consistent, you know, or, or permanent. Yeah. Permanent, absolutely. Yeah. Well, you led me on there very nicely, Derek. You talk about class being permanent. There was a player in that Everton team who you know well, who you played with, Alex Young, and um, well, he was uh, such a great player. And that, although the title was clinched against Fulham, which you referred to earlier. There was a magnificent winning header by Alex against Tottenham, who were the the team who were fighting you for the title. So you'll no doubt remember that. Yes, uh, he he uh, he wasn't at all 
lad at all, Alex. You know, he's only about 5'8". Yes. Uh, but wonderful uh, spring. Yes. And he had this ability, like some players have, of seeming to hang in the air. Yeah. And that's all timing, of course. Uh, and he was, uh, when he got up there and, and the ball came, he, he could direct it and he'd get some great headers in. I mean, he was known for his skill on the ground, but he, he was a great header of the ball. Oh, fantastic, yeah. Mm. I, I mentioned earlier he did have 10 defeats. He had um, special boots made for him at the, the old Dunlop factory in Walton, just down the road from the ground. That's right. So, yeah. uh, yeah. But he played in every game that season. Well, that um, that that header was... Uh, well, it, was, it turned out to be quite decisive because Tottenham did finish runners-up to Everton. And this is how the Echo's Leslie Edwards reported um, that great goal by Alex. This is what he wrote. When the goal came after 16 minutes, the applause literally shook the place. I'll swear the press box moved inches up and down from the reverberations of the din. Vernon, almost at outside left, clipped the ball high, right-footed, to make it hang in the wind and offer Alex Young a meagre chance of heading a goal. But with that remarkable propensity of his for jumping half of his own height, Young soared over his one opponent, John Smith, and edged the ball gently over the line. If he never scores again, he'll always be remembered for this historic score. And if we could see football like this every week, a city stadium holding 150,000 would be a sheer necessity. Now, you don't get higher praise than that, no, Derek, do you? No, no, that's very good, that, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's lovely stuff. Yes. Uh, Pat, he, he was a great player, Alex, wasn't he, Pat LeBone? Oh, yes, definitely. Brian, um, obviously. I knew he thought very highly of him. He did, indeed, he did, yes. Yeah. Um, and I think the fact that there, there was a play written about Alex, wasn't there? Yes. The Vision. That's right, TV that's play. that's people know him. Yes. You know, so, obviously, that was, uh, you know, that's a room in good stead. Mike, you'll have great memories of it. You, you remember the goal, obviously. Yes, Alex was uh, not noted for uh, for his heading ability, but as Derek was saying, he, d- he did have that spring in his heel. Uh, that was a particularly great goal, uh, one of many great goals he scored that season. I think he had yeah. that link with Roy Vernon. Yes. People forget that Roy Vernon wasn't just a goal scorer, he was a great passer oh, of a ball. Oh, great footballer, yeah. Uh, and we have got some film, which we'll be showing in the show, of Everton playing Wolverhampton Wanderers at Molyneux, where I think we won that game 3-0. Uh, and there's a move where Roy Vernon uh, takes the ball on the centre circle and slots a pass through to Alex Young, who hits it his first time into the back of the net, which is another fa- fantastic goal. But Alex actually wasn't um, Harry Catrick's, and Derek, correct me if I'm wrong, most popular player. I think um, Catrick didn't always have that same belief in Alex Young that everybody else did. Is that, that right, Derek? Yeah, that's absolutely true, Mike. Uh, he... Uh... Harry, uh, I don't think he was Harry's type of player. Harry wanted somebody more physical because uh, Harry was a centre-forward himself uh, in his playing days and uh, I don't think he had any of the skill of Alex Young, let's put it that way. And uh, I think, um, you know, some managers would have loved loved to have got uh, Youngie, but uh, not Harry. And Harry, Harry played him, uh, but it, as you said before, it's quite true this, that uh, him and Roy Vernon had a wonderful understanding. They used one another, you know. I mean, they, they would go to give it and, and turn the other way. But uh, playing together, they they were great. You know, I mean, the two of them were superb. 
Well, the play is called The Class of 63. It's being staged at the Dome inside Liverpool's Grand Central Hall, Renshaw Street, on Thursday and Friday evenings, December the 12th and 13th, with a matinee on Sunday, December the 15th, which fittingly sandwiches Everton's Saturday home game with Fulham, the club they beat 4-1 with a Roy Vernon hat-trick to clinch that 1963 title. Tickets are £15 with £10 concessions, available by calling 08712 or by going to www.thedomeliverpool.co.uk And on the subject of football stage shows, our next production of the Bill Shankly story will be at the superb new Atkinson Theatre, Lord Street, Southport, on Friday, February the 7th. I'll be joined on stage by those legendary Shankly players, including Ian Callaghan, Ian St John and Chris Lawler. Tickets are £16 with £13 concessions, in person from the theatre or by calling 01704 533333. But first up is this great show at the Dome in December, the class of 63. I hope it goes well. I'm sure it will, knowing the people involved. Uh, and before we say goodbye, Derek Temple, uh, you've always been a, an Everton fan as well as a former player. Roberto Martinez, the era started well, I think, hasn't it? Yes, I think uh, I think he's done exceptionally well. I mean, I think we had a wonderful window, you know, the uh, transfer window. I think we came out of it yes. uh, flying colours, really. And um, uh, I think uh, the manager now he's uh, he's got them playing some great football, you know, at yeah. pace. Which uh, I, I always say, when Everton play at pace, they're, they're a match for anybody. Mm. But uh, I don't like this just sort of casual approach. But when they when they pick it up, they they go at them, and yeah. it's great to watch. So them. you're confident yeah. that the new era will be successful? I am. I'm very yeah. confident. Yes. Right. Yeah. Well, thank you to Derek Temple, thank you to the lovely Pat LeBone, to Lawrence Lee, chairman of the former Players Foundation, and last but far from least, the man who's making this play happen, the playwright Mike Howell. Thanks to them for coming in, and from them and from me, John Keith, from this edition of Strictly John Keith, goodbye. Strictly John Keith, City Talk 105.9.